Hi everyone, my name is Ashley Matthews and I'm the lead pastor at Christ the King. And you're listening to day three of our Advent Psalm series. This will mark the end of the first week of our four-week series, so we won't be with you again until next Tuesday. Before we read today's psalm, a quick reminder to be keeping a journal to write down the things you're thinking about and praying for throughout the season. The Advent call for us at Christ the King has been to spend 30 minutes a day, just three days a week, reading, reflecting, and praying. So you may be reading and listening to other things as well, but don't forget to take some time for about five minutes of quiet and about 10 minutes of prayer. This is where the journal is really helpful. You can write down your prayers, write down your reflections, the things you're feeling. This is going to be our way as a church of making room for Jesus as we look together toward Christmas and the start of the new year. Today's psalm is Psalm 78. Isaiah read yesterday the first few verses, and today we're going to focus on the latter verses in verses 40 to 55. But I'll begin again with the opening verses, simply because they function as a kind of introduction to the rest of the psalm. So we'll read, and then we'll reflect together. Give ear, all my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. They tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not keep in mind his power or the day when he redeemed them from the foe, when he displayed his signs in Egypt and his miracles in the fields of Zoan. He turned their rivers to blood so that they could not drink of their streams. He sent among them swarms of flies, which devoured them, and frogs, which destroyed them. He gave their crops to the caterpillar, and the fruit of their labor to the locust. He destroyed their vines with hail, and their sycamores with frost. He gave over their cattle to the hail, and their flocks to thunderbolts. He let loose on them his fierce anger, wrath, indignation, and distress a company of destroying angels. He made a path for his anger. He did not spare them from death, but gave their lives over to the plague. He struck all the firstborn in Egypt, the first issue of their strength in the tents of Ham. Then he led out his people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them in safety so that they were not afraid but the sea overwhelmed their enemies. And he brought them to his holy hill, to the mountain that his right hand had won. He drove out nations before them. He apportioned them for a possession and settled the tribes of Israel in their tents. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Psalm 78 is what's known as a historical psalm. 
a song written for the purposes of remembering and passing down Israel's history. But interestingly, the psalmist calls his song a parable. He says in the opening introduction, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. The words dark sayings could also be translated riddles. I will utter riddles from of old. What an interesting way to describe the retelling of your history. Parables, like riddles, you'll remember, are not exactly fables or straightforward stories that illustrate a moral truth or good. A parable is told with the intention of unsettling, settled thinking or assumptions, to shake things up. And they often, therefore, left people feeling confused or surprised, sometimes even frustrated, just like a riddle. They're fun if you're getting it, but they are definitely not fun if you're not getting it. I think this is interesting because I think a lot of us want our lives to play out like fables, meaning um, that even the sad or bad parts have an easily identifiable sort of meaning or purpose. We want them to make sense. We want to be able to see the connections between our actions and the effects. We want to be able to see the purpose and the greater good that's being achieved as we live. But here the psalmist is acknowledging that sometimes life feels more like a riddle than it does a story with a clear point or lesson. Sometimes our histories or certain parts of our history feel dark, confusing, absurd. It's an acknowledgement that that's particularly true, maybe when we're trying to understand how God is at work in all of it. I like to imagine someone telling my life story in the form of a parable. Jesus stands up on the shoreline. He says, listen to the words of this parable. And then he tells a story from my life. And rather than it illustrating some obvious and predictable truth about God, I imagine people standing there with their heads sort of tilted to the side, staring blankly, furrowing their brows. And I am off to the side saying, yeah, see, that's exactly how I feel about what happened. What does it mean? Why did it happen that way? What was God doing? The parable that the psalmist tells is that God has chosen these people, Israel, us, revealed himself to them, led them out of slavery. And rather than living a life of devotion and fidelity in return, Israel is sort of perpetually prodigal. They test God, provoke him, forget him. And yet he continues to pursue them and to make sure that they get where he's leading them. The psalmist writes, he led them in safety so that they were not afraid, but the sea overwhelmed their enemies. But that's not the whole story. At other points, Israel was unfaithful and God reacted differently. He issues judgment. He withdraws his presence. He punishes. But why? What is the logic God uses to describe or to decide rather how he's going to respond How does he decide when it's time to intervene and when and why he should remain silent? 
The only way to understand a parable or solve a riddle is to figure out the logic. For example, in that classic riddle about the surgeon, it's the one that goes like this. A father and son have a car accident and both are badly hurt. They're both taken to separate hospitals. When the boy is taken in for an operation, the doctor says, I can't do the surgery because this is my son. How is this possible? Well, you have to be able to imagine a world in which women can be doctors in order to solve the riddle. In other words, you have to know or see something that apparently isn't obvious. You have to have ears to hear, as Jesus would say. So when it comes to solving the riddle of why and how God does what God does, I hear the psalmist acknowledging that there is no obvious logic. There is no obvious rule to solve the mystery, at least not one that's available to us. He is a mystery. His ways are, as Paul says in Romans 12, untraceable. Except for this one thing, his ultimate love for his people and his ultimate faithfulness in the big picture, even when we're not. So I wish I could tell you how he will come for you as you pray for him to come. I wish I could tell you when and what it will look like. I wish I could tell you why he didn't come then when you asked him to, when he should have, at least according to the rules as we understand them. I don't know why. The psalmist didn't know. Life with God is a parable, more like a riddle for most of our lives than a fable. But the best stories are always the one that catch you by surprise. And this I know, your story isn't finished. Our story together isn't finished. Christ is coming. And the reason it's important that we know and retell and meditate on the story of our faith is because all this searching and watching and trying to figure him out, it somehow makes us wiser and stronger and less afraid. And God knows we'll need to be. Because those times of deep confusion and pain come too, as surely as he does. So we're going to take a moment to pray now. I'd like to invite you to recall a time that felt deeply confusing to you, a situation or season that you struggle to look back and understand or to see God at work in. We'll pause for a moment. Now I'd like to invite you to name how that situation makes you feel, to name the emotions. We'll pause for a moment.
Now I'd like to invite you to call to mind a time or specific instance when you felt very loved and cared for by anyone. It doesn't have to be God. Name the way that memory makes you feel. Now in closing, let's ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and faith for the things that we can't see and don't understand and to give us encouragement for the memory of the things that we do see and can understand. We'll pause for a moment. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. God's peace, friends.